My favorite thing in Austin are the grackles. I think they are beautiful and they make such an amazing noise. At this hour that I call grackle hour, all the grackles come out at dusk and they make this amazing noise. If you find it annoying, you should just leave because I think it is beautiful. Roll down all your windows and listen to all those birds. I think it is a beautiful call and it only comes out like in mass quantity at this certain point of the day. Whenever I am kind of feeling a little burnt out on whatever, like I go and seek out a grackle hour. <laughs> no, no one else calls it this but me, I know, but I'm sharing this with you now. That is my favorite thing about Austin, Texas the grackles. I'm Miranda Wiley, and this is I Love You So Much. Welcome to I Love You So Much, the Austin 360 podcast, a show for everyone caught up in an ongoing love affair with Austin, even if it's complicated. I'm your host, Tali Mosley. I'm Omar Gayaga. And I'm Addie Broyles, coming to you from the shores of Lady Bird Lake in the offices of the Austin American Statesman. In this week's episode, it's Grackle Week. We talk love and hate, but mostly love, for Austin's most recognizable bird. Judith Bailey, volunteer birding guide with the Travis Audubon Society, explains the behavioral quirks of the brash creature with the psychedelic feathers. Are they really hostile or just full of personality? And we've got performance artist and choreographer Eloise Gold in The Roost to tell us what she discovered in helping put together a recent performance in honor of grackles. You may think of grackles as winged vermin that love to terrorize you, but Brady Coleman's life was actually saved by a grackle. In this episode, you'll hear the amazing story from the man himself. Addie, Tolly, and I hash out who should be the real mascot of Austin. Like the last french fries on your plate, are grackles poised to steal this crown from bats? We'll end, as always, with our recommendations in A Toast. But first, Judith Bailey. The grackle apologist came in to explain why grackles dive bomb, why their mating dance is so hilariously macho, and why they love to look you in the eye when taking your food. Judith Bailey, thank you for coming to I Love You So Much. It's lovely to be here. So, in general, what do you think about grackles? Um, I think they're our constant companion in (laughs) Austin. So you feel warm and fuzzy about them? Well, not truly warm and fuzzy because they're not a very warm and fuzzy bird. I was going to say, that seems like a political answer. That seems like a very... (laughs) (laughs) Of course I love them. I'm a birder. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, tell us a little bit about how you got into birding, and then we can talk specifically about grackles. Well, um, the story I told um, was uh, that when I was about five or six years old, my, my mother sent me out in the to find out this strange sound that she was hearing. Back in the old days, we didn't have air conditioning, so, you know, we recognized the the Blue Jay normal call, but she heard this different sound, and she sent me out to find out what it was, and it was a mama Blue Jay talking to the baby, and so it makes a little sweet sound, not the, you know, that mm-hmm. we hear from them. So that's basically how I got started listening to birds and then grew up 
you know, going down to the coast and watching the shorebirds. Because you're from Houston? No, I'm from or, Liberty, Texas, oh, which is just outside between, here. Yeah. So did you start studying them pro- professionally or did you just professionally en- or, or enjoy them deeply personally? Um, well, I've just, you know, constantly watched from t- childhood. But when I moved to Austin, I um, started going on bird walks with Travis Audubon and realized that I didn't know very much and didn't know how to identify birds like the leaders did. And so I started taking bird, going to bird classes and taking different courses on warblers and sparrows and shorebirds. And, you know, one thing led to another. And now I'm just absolutely obsessed. Are there things that are specific to our region, to Central Texas, that, you know, that we have a certain kind of bird climate that other places don't, maybe? We're right in the middle of um, the Central Flyway. And there's one on the East Coast, and there's one on the West Coast, and then we're right in the middle of the one in the Central Flyway. So that's where migratory birds, right? Yes. So that's what a flyway is, when Uh the route that they take? They'll go from Alaska to, you know, the tip of South America, and they stop off here on the way. And, you know, the Purple Martins are one of the ones that that we have here besides the grackles and... um, uh, the the other interesting thing about Travis County is that during the winter, we have about 20 species of sparrows that come and spend the winter here because we have this lovely climate. Those dreaded sparrows. Yes. I, yes. I, I don't hear anything. When I talk to birders, we've been working on these grackle stories for Grackle Week for several weeks now. I don't hear anybody speak negatively about bird, about grackles in the birding community, but sparrows... You don't hear very many people say a nice word yeah, at all let, about let, sparrows. Yeah, fill me in on that. What, what's okay. the difference between a sparrow and a grackle? Oh, well. <laughs> like, oh, my goodness. I mean, I we started here. They're different species. <laughs> well, okay. how they were introduced is sort of like what I get, that, you know, basically the birders up in New York wanted to have the, the all the birds from, from Shakespeare. Oh, yes. And uh, so then they introduced them into Central Park, not just sparrows, but pigeons and uh, starlings. D- yes. And then this was in the late 1800s. And then those birds have taken over the entire North America to the detriment of other species, which I think Correct. is maybe what... You know, grackles are not that when they're living their lives eating all those chips and, and French fries. They're not actually doing that at the detriment of other species. That's true. Um, they they came from Central America, from Mexico, and uh, they uh, basically in the night in 1960 when they made this big push north was related to human activity when we started irrigating and when our cities started growing and they took advantage of those two things there was food and there was uh and they adapted to people and and we provided you know shelter and food so that's kind of and they and they they do somewhat push out other birds but not like the house sparrows or the starlings or those kinds of things that they were introducing now are do, they do take take over. So, so, to, so to paraphrase, the sparrows are kind of like part of this jerk brigade of the bird kingdom, and grackles are more kind of chilled out, like coexist with human type. True, okay. true. So, grackles. We I've never been around grackles really. I mean, I probably had, but I didn't notice them until I moved here. And their their sounds, their song is so distinct, and their behavior because they're on the ground. Tell us some other reasons why grackles are have just captivated Austinites. Oh. 
Well, um, they're very smart and they're adaptive and they have figured out that, um, you know, they can live with us and that we'll provide food and shelter and those kinds of things. But because they're a big bird, the males are about 18 inches long and the females are about mm, 15 inches. They um, they walk on the ground kind of like chickens and they feed on the ground. They feed most of the time they plant, they eat insects and things like that. But then during nesting season, they have to provide protein for the babies. So they will start eating things like lizards and they'll even take... Cheese pizza. Oh, yeah, cheese pizza. <laughs> cheese pizza for sure super high in protein but Uh (laughs) the cheese (laughs) but they try and they'll take other birds nestlings and they'll they'll feed those to their babies but um they you know they they go in parking lots and like the heb parking lots and they get in roost all around in there and they are they're protected because there are no predators. There aren't cats. There aren't squirrels, those kinds of things. That why? I wonder why cats and squirrels, or squir- cats don't go after them. Oh, they do. Oh, they that's do. one of their major predators. But not in the H-E-B parking lot. Oh, no, not so in the that's why they're protected. Yeah. yeah. So um, their song is so distinct, and they make these, but each thing that they say is different. Can you, so the, the main squawking that they do when they're mating. Y- yes, that, well, the, we might ask you for examples, yes. Judith, because I know you can. <laughs> they they have different they have different calls. They have they have little they have little chip noises that they make back and forth to each other. Just you know, say I'm here. Where are you? Tell me, is everything okay? And they chip back and forth. I'm in the H B parking lot. Chip, yeah, chip. getting a combo loco. <laughs> chip chip. And where then, are you, Omar? Chip chip. And they have they have alarm calls and they have whistles and they they have the they have this uh, kind of this care 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 sound that it. it it's just it doesn't mean anything. Nobody knows what it means. Yeah, so you do the oh, that one. I yeah. am not a sparrow. That's what it means. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That, yeah, that's the one that that the the uh, the people are trying to hear now, or at least I am, and the and the scientists are trying to figure out what that means. And they think it means that they're kind of uneasy and just trying to figure out what to do. Almost like a warning call. Or, yeah. So why do you think we don't know as much about grackles as, for instance, the gold cheek warbler? Well. Uh, they're kind of uh, not as interesting, for sure, and they're not an endangered species. Uh, but there are groups of people who do study them. But, mm-hmm. m- you know, we just kind of take them for granted. Mm-hmm. But uh, when you start watching them, you see different things and you understand their behavior. They talk to one another. They, they are socially uh, adapted at, uh, you know, being together and protecting each other. The One of the interesting things I like about them is that the they will nest in they'll have probably 15 or 20 nests in a tree and there'll be two or three males that will guard the females that are nesting there and uh the females do all the work they 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 build the nest which are made out of plant material and mud and then they line it with little soft grasses and things and then they have to feed the babies they have to ha- sit on the nest the whole time the only thing the males do is they will sort of territorially Guard that area. Oh, those important male grackles. Like maybe yes. I'll mow the lawn one of these weekends. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Omar, I mean, you grew up in te- you grew up in Texas. Like, mm-hmm. do you have childhood memories of watching grackles? Not really. I mean, I grew up in South Texas, and and it's I think it's one of those things where they were so common that you just stop noticing that mm-hmm. they're even around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I definitely have <laughs> been in some HEB parking lots with a bunch of these, even in South Texas. I mean, what I remember growing up was uh, going to South Padre and, you know, the, the seagulls. Like, that was, mm-hmm. that was like, oh, seagulls, mm-hmm. I'm going to feed them some bread. 
but I think in Austin, I, I started noticing it more downtown when I would, you know, just w- when you walk downtown and you, I mean, they're, they're just everywhere. Like you feel like yeah. you can't step anywhere without seeing some of these around. I think I first really noticed them probably sitting at Curra's and like eating chips oh, yeah. and salsa. And I recognized there was like a one, a one-legged grackle hopping around. <laughs> and I just really felt bad for this little bird and, and was amazed at their brazenness to come up to the table and like get a chip even though you're right there. Mm-hmm. But apparently, I mean, they're just thriving on all this food, that, you know, pizza crusts from the trash can or I don't know. It's just amazing to watch mm-hmm. it. And, you know, they've, they've figured out that there are bugs on the grill of, of cars and they'll go and they'll pick the bugs off of the grill of the of your oh. car. Do they do something with the nuts? Where they toss the nuts in the road to crack them? I don't know that they so, do that. So That's Judith might be another met, species. Okay, so Judith and I met at uh, the Fusebach Festival earlier Correct. this year where she was leading a tour. It was a very like meta performance because it was called and it was called Grackle or something. And we were at Patterson Park and Judith was leading a group of about ten bird lovers and we were all quipping with our like grackle observations and that's where somebody had mentioned the nut thing, where they like throw a nut and the car runs over it and they can get the nut. But um what did you think about having the the grackles themselves be the stars of the show, but there's also these performance artists who are like mimicking their behavior, and it just really got us thinking about grackles. Exactly. I mean, the the man who made the recordings, uh, he had spent like nine months out, you know, listening to these birds and and recording the the sounds and trying to figure out what they meant, mm-hmm. and the 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 dancers and the performance artists, you know, had observed these birds. Eloise has been watching them since 19, I think she said, 74. She's known as Eloise Gold, I believe. She has like a grackle dance. She can make grackle noises that sound so real you don't know that a human's making them. That's true. Uh, so, uh, you know, I th- so, so to spend that much time watching and observing, I think you, you know, begin to sort of love them. Mm-hmm. Did you like being part of a, a performance piece, an art I, Yes. Theater? I mean, I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. I was just asked to come, you know, walk and talk about grackles. And then to see all these people performing was really fun. Well, we uh, you can find a bunch of stories about Grackle Week because it is Grackle Week around here. We've been so excited about Grackle Week for like a year now, and it's finally uh, come home to roost, you might say. Uh, so we're very excited about that. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us. Thank and you. Thank, thank you. For you. Your depth of knowledge on Briefly, the Grackle I front. Want, if people wanted to learn more about birds in general, Travis Audubon Society, that's the best place to go to find like-minded bird lovers, get a birding 101 class, anything like that, correct? Right, and we have a beginning bird walk on the first Saturday of every month, and you don't have to know anything about birds, and you don't have to have binoculars. Just come show up, check Where our website. It? Well, we, we meet at moves. different parks, yeah. you know, um, every every month, and you, you can get excited and learn about birds. Maybe bring a pizza crust. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks, Judith. Thank you all. Back in April, Fusebach Festival hosted a performance of Grackle Call, an audiovisual performance inspired by Austin's birds. One of the show's performers, Eloise Gold, put together dance and sound performances for the show. She talked to Statesman video journalist Reshma Kerpalani, sharing what she's learned about grackles. So I started <laughs> making grackle dances in uh, 1980, I would say. I came uh, to Austin from New York City in 1979. There were a number of natural, odd creatures 
and species that I had never seen before. One was the armadillo, another was this flowering plant called the lantana, and the crackle. The grackles just completely fascinated me. Their calls, their kind of crazy dances, their wild sounds, and their whole look. I think of them as clowns. I think it's because they are all over the place and they are as prominent in some ways as we are as uh, human beings in our city. I think uh, people don't like the competition. Well, 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 well. I personally love them because they are part of nature. And it's so great to have this natural species so close to us and constant. Yes, I, I think there are similarities between grackles and humans, and I think that's why we feel a little threatened. Um, and they do go, they go where we go. And I think we, we don't like that, that competition. The similarities, um, oh my, they, they, uh, they're very social. Uh, they, they like to be together in groups and yak a lot. Uh, we do that. <laughs> we like to be together and eat. Uh, they do that. They seek out food, right? They seek out food quite a bit. And uh, they have um, wild, playful, kind of coyote kind of nature. And I think there's a part of us that's like that too. Go outside. Take a walk, take your time, listen, watch, take a nice breath, take them in in a different way to kind of make a lot of space for them. And I, that's like, in general, we need to make a lot more space for each other. They're almost here to um, give us some messages and, and to um, say, hey, you know, I'm here, you know, um, and I'm not going anywhere. So, you know, make room for me in, in your awareness. Perhaps that's the message. Please be sure to check out Reshma's video featuring Eloise and many others with thoughts about these birds on austin360.com slash grackles, where you'll also find lots of other Grackle Week stories. Few people can say they were actually saved by a grackle. Unless you're lawyer-turned-actor Brady Coleman, who joined us in the studio to tell us the story. Brady Coleman, thanks for coming into the I Love You So Much studio. <laughs> you bet. So you have quite the grackle story, one of the most memorable that we received from readers. Can you <laughs> give us give us the story? Yeah, and, and how long ago was this? This was probably 30 years ago. Okay. 
And I'm thinking late 80s. I can't remember the exact uh, time. But um, I've been swimming at Deep Eddy Pool for 60 years, as long as I've lived here. And I just got out of the water about an hour ago. Uh, it was close to noon, and I took a bracing swim, came back, and stretched out under a pecan tree, an aging pecan tree, and fell sound asleep on my towel. And I was awakened by a splat on my chest, and it was the grackle relieving itself. I don't know whether it was male or female, but... You caught it mid... Mid uh, excretion. Oh no, he got the end. Of no, it. I got it was it was on my chest, <laughs> oh. and um, I was a bit annoyed, and I got up to walk to the outdoor showers that they have at Deep Eddy, and uh, I heard an enormous crash, and I turned around, and a very very large limb from the tree I was laying under had fallen right on my towel. That is unbelievable. Where you were laying just moments just before. Exactly, right on top of it. And the lifeguards blew their whistles, and they came over, and, you know, somebody under that tree. Um, and uh, What was your first thought? Uh, karma. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God for that for the, grackle. For the bir- you were the bird. <laughs> yeah, Did you put the was... connection together immediately that that bird... Had woken you up, and or were you still kind of out of sorts? You know, when you wake up from a nap, you're a little. Yeah, I was out of sort. No, it took me a while to put it together, but that's what saved my life, or maybe limb. I don't know, but <laughs> so no this was, pun this was, intended. So this was a big branch. This would have done some serious damage if you'd been there. Oh yes, yeah, it was a big. It was it was a big limb, and it was the whole tree was you know rotting do you think they did they take down the tree oh yeah they took down a lot of trees after that uh not because of that but Mm -hmm. they took down a lot of cottonwoods and eilers park and the pecan trees in that area and they were getting old Mm -hmm. and they've replanted them all so based on that incident uh what do you think of grackles now are you thankful for them (laughs) Oh, I think they're the bird of peace instead of the dove. I, yeah. yeah. So do you, when you were you know, going to school at the University of Texas, grackles were, they were well established here. But do you, did you notice anything change over the course of the 60 years about how many grackles were here or where they lived or your interaction with them? I think more people started complaining about grackles. I don't know whether there were more grackles here or more people here. But, but the complaints uh, went up. Yeah. Right, yeah. Maybe, it, maybe if everybody had had their life saved by a grackle, there'd be fewer complaints. <laughs> That's right. Everyone has to have that experience. So now do you, you still swim at Deep Eddy? You still interact with grackles? Have you ever gotten pooped on by a grackle again? Uh, no, I have not. That was the one. <laughs> my one. car has. My car has definitely. The but, one time. Yeah. Well, well, Brady, thank you so much for coming in and telling us your story. We really was, appreciate it. It was my pleasure. And thank you, Grackle, for saving his life. <laughs> So you've heard a lot about grackles in this episode, and we thought we would weigh in uh, with some information from our fellow Austin 360 staffers. Uh, Pam LeBlanc, 
uh, our fitness writer actually wrote a piece that you will be seeing soon online and in print, uh, kind of comparing bats and grackles as who should be the rightful mascot to Austin. And we have some thoughts on this as well. I mean, I have a clear winner in my I, mind. Yeah, I'm but... worried that this is consensus-based rather than <laughs> an actual debate. But, Addie, make your case. I mean, we are having grackle week for a reason. I But I will say that I think that grackles should be Austin's mascot because they are everywhere. You cannot avoid them. And they are... I hate to say this, but I mean, they're loud and they're showy and they just don't give a darn. <laughs> and I think that that kind of represents a lot of Austin. That like they got that G-A-F style. No, that sounds okay. a bit like Dallas to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can make a case that it's sort of like everything that's wrong with Austinites because they are so in your face and they're like stealing your chips. Taking over like, everything. Yeah. Wait, Austinites or Grackles? Well, I was going to say like the nouveau Austinites oh, that sort it. of okay. have a negative, pers- <laughs> we have a negative perception Migrated about them. from elsewhere. And- <laughs> yes. And they're coming and like taking stuff that's, that's supposedly ours. You you could sort of apply I that see. to them. Okay. But I like their scrappiness. I mean, the first time I saw a one-legged grackle at Curra's <laughs> getting a chip off of a table, I was like, you go, homie. Y- Slash, have- like, it's probably simultaneously doing a mating dance. There's, like, <laughs> feathers. So I just have to Tolly's flapping her arms around the table. I just respect them. And I think they're, they're I don't know, hardy, scrappy birds. Do you know how that grackle lost that leg? Stealing a chip from someone's table, probably. No, I think I'm in agreement with you, Addie, because... Bats are like this um, benevolent presence Mm -hmm. that we have, I don't know, they're just, it's an event in Austin that if you like consider yourself a true Austinite, you go see the bats. But they aren't part of the fabric of your daily life Mm -hmm. in a way that grackles are. Like I feel like equally, if not more significant, a... Uh, transitional experience for new Austinites is going to an H-E-B parking lot and hearing a <laughs> deafening chorus of grackles in the trees. And looking and, up and saying, what is that? And being like mildly alarmed. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. being like, oh, got it. It's just like, these Are these groceries going to make it home? like yeah. birds. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the bats, they're like Santa. They come in the night, but kind of not really. And, yeah. they, and they come to eat all of our mosquitoes, except they don't really eat all the mosquitoes. Yeah, I'm still getting bit. That benevolent, <laughs> the benevolent thing you mentioned. I it's not their fault, Holly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they need to try a little harder. Maybe some bug spray, maybe. <laughs> and then their, their poop does smell in a way that yeah. crackle poop. If you're running really under the to. bridge, yeah, it's, you're going to smell some some foulness. I mean, for crackles a few do poop a lot on vehicles. Okay, and as Nicole Villapondo has told us in another story that was running on Austin 360 this week, that poop is not so friendly. It spreads yeah. diseases. Spreads, yeah. Apparently there's all kinds of gross stuff in there. So Let's talk about some of the lore of bats and why they are quote unquote special. So they took our presidents under the Congress Avenue Bridge in 1890 and they're Mexican free-tailed bats and um, because they have been with us for so long I feel like that's why they've become this mystical creature in Austin. There's a huge statue close to the statesman of a bat. We have a hockey team. Did you know we have a hockey team? I was going to say. The Austin Ice Bats. I was going to say the Austin Ice Grackle doesn't have the same ring to it. I know, but I but I could you see a sports team, like maybe an MLS soccer team called the Grackles. The Rolling Grackles. The, the <laughs> it is interesting that Austin claimed the bats, even though bats sort of have a nefarious association with like vampires and dark. Yeah. The dark. It's like we think of them as cute, though. How did that happen? You don't really Branding. hear. You don't really hear about people getting bitten by them locally. Like you don't. You never hear about somebody dying. From right. A and the sound they bite. make. Like if you at sometimes if you walk under the Congress Avenue Bridge in an afternoon, you can hear them. Little squeaks. Yeah, and that's like kind of a cool sound too. But 
still, yeah. I th- Nowhere I think near it, as annoying as, as the cry of the crackles in the H-E-B parking lot. Yeah, but I think, like, Addie's, like, you know, I think the p- argument that we're trying to make is, like, they're jerks, but there are jerks. Like yes. that. <laughs> yes. You know? I, I no longer think of their noise as, as annoying. I'm like, you go, crackles. You get what is yours. <laughs> Well, you respect them. I think it's because I've learned so much. I did a bunch of reporting for these Grackle Week stories, and I found that they're not actually taking away anything. I think Judith Bailey mentioned this in the segment previous in the show. They're not really taking away any resources from other birds. And so there's some respect that you got to give them for proliferating in this city right? with the stuff that we don't want. And okay. none of the other birds want. <laughs> so, Omar, I feel like Addie and I have made a really compelling case. Can you knock this down with some pro-bats propaganda? Well, I mean, I, I, bats are just cooler. They're they're aerodynamic. They fly. I mean, <laughs> w- when's the last time you saw a grackle, like, you know, get that high? Like, grackles don't seem yeah. like they are really built for the air. That's why they're hanging around on the ground all the time. <laughs> like, it seems like they fly reluctantly. Evolution is still yeah, working it out. Pretty soon they're going to not be able to fly anymore. Yeah, like they're a bird that's not co- not great <laughs> at flying. merge into a rat. <laughs> Which is what they probably want to be, actually. The fact that (laughs) bats are flying mammals is pretty cool, I guess. Have you ever seen a flock of grackles flying? No, they're just sitting around on on branches and stuff. So they're not community-oriented. I I don't know. The The parking lot grackles. A couple weeks ago, I was driving down 35. It was sunset, and I hadn't seen the bats in a long time. I haven't gone to the bridge to see them in a while. But this stream of bats went over my car, you know, past the highway and I just caught them at the exact right time at sunset and it was magical. It was beautiful. They were making a swoop. It looked like a gigantic like L in the sky, you know, going past me and like Try that, grackles. That's you know that is cool, but the, see that that to me lends to their mysticism. Mm-hmm. Like Addie was saying, their Santa-like quality rather than they're just this like. I don't know, like reliable, annoying sidekick mm-hmm. that eventually you come to love. <laughs> what was interesting about the grackles I saw was they were pulling eight tiny reindeer, and the, the reindeer were pulling a sled oh, wow. behind them. Okay, wow. So okay, there was got a it. distinct gotcha. Santa-like quality. I to see. It. Okay, did not know that part. Um, <laughs> I told you it was magical. <laughs> <laughs> I, it sounds like it. So okay, all right. It feels like it's pretty. No, it I think feel there's like enough even to love them both, though, right? Maybe I think here's. I'm the still thing. charmed by the bats, and just the way you described it, Omar. That's. Right. I would be embarrassed to tell someone that our city mascot was a grackle, like they were coming from Denver or somewhere. <laughs> like, hey, our city mascot's a grackle. When you say it's bats, know. it's much cooler. I don't know, but like, I think that this is the opportunity is ripe for a graphic designer to come in and like brand the grackles and give us some cool swag that are grackle like, and step away from the bats for a minute. And yeah, uh, you know, I've like, only seen one pitch it visually one mural in town with a grackle on it and it's on South Lamar and it's an old school one kind of next to the Goodwill uh-huh. uh, and, and there's just this big old grackle next to an old 1950s car oh, so yeah. grackles have been around people have thought grackles were cool for at least you know it's not like we're coming upon something for the first they were, time they but. were never cool guys okay well what we're doing we're doing our part maybe not this show but two thirds of this show hey my last thing I will say is do you, I don't know if you guys remember about oh I don't know Five or eight years ago, somebody designed that shirt with the grackle smoking a cigarette in front of the HEB that was such a hot seller online that HEB had to issue a cease and desist. Wow. There is a market for grackle shirts, memorabilia, souvenirs, bumper stickers. I want to see it. Okay, so Austin. And I have seen grackle tattoos. 
Uh, all right, awesome graphic designers. Like again, you're welcome. We're putting out some project Hit ideas for you. This your Etsy accounts will go crazy. You know what, Grackles? You can have the MLS team. Sure, <laughs> why not? The Austin Go- Grackle goalies, whatever. <laughs> okay, uh, listeners, we'd love to hear you guys weigh in. Bats versus Grackles. Who should be the rightful mascot of Austin? Write to us. Love Austin three sixty at statesman.com or talk to us on Twitter and Facebook. Hashtag Team Bats. Now we've come to the moment in our show where we have a toast. This is where we go around the table making some recommendations of things we feel you, our listeners, should check out. So, Omar Addy, who wants to go first? I'll go. And I should say, these are not grackle-related. So, if you've had enough grackles for one episode. Thank God. (laughs) Yeah. Other (laughs) stuff besides grackles to think about. Uh, Yeah. um, Bow is the short that they are showing now if you go see Incredibles 2. Uh, if you're not into Incredibles 2, you should probably still make it to a theater to see this short uh, from Pixar. It's fantastic. I was openly weeping in the theater <laughs> from this. And my kids were like, what's wrong with Daddy? Uh, it, it's so good. I mean, it's basically, it's almost like, um, and Pixar's done, a, I feel like they've done at least two or three of these where it's either a short or a film that just perfectly captures parenting in a way that's mm-hmm. that's special. Mm-hmm. And this does it in like th- all of three minutes. You know, it captures the entire spectrum of birth, you know, middle childhood and you know, growing up and leaving the nest in 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 quick fashion, uh, and it's basically about a dumpling, which I is a delicious. Oh. So, <laughs> we, I read a little story about this in the paper the other day about the director and how she'd been working on this for four or five years, and just uh, her relationship with her family, her mother, her grandmother, and and this little dumpling just can you personify and anthropomorphize this little yeah. food item? And now, now here's the thing about it, though. Like and and a lot of my um, Asian American friends have, have posted about just how heartrending it is, especially if, if if you're the parent of of an immigrant or or, uh, but also the complete lack of understanding some people apparently have for this short <laughs> of watching and go what okay whatever like people apparently are seeing this short and not getting it at all or not getting that it's a metaphor <laughs> and think taking it literally and and like oh that's just gross <laughs> like it's oh, it's, it's it's a, it's a uh, we'll talk about it after you've seen it Tali, but like it's it, it's great. It's a really good short. I think it's one of the best shorts Pixar's done in a while. And, and Incredibles 2 is fantastic as well. So I was just going to ask if you, you liked it. Okay. Yeah, there have been a couple of Pixar shorts that have been kind of duds but uh, the last couple of years. But this one is, they knocked it out of the park. It's fantastic. So okay. Bow, which apparently my daughter had seen before we even went to the movies. I was like, how did you see it? And then she pulls it up on YouTube. I'm like, what? That's cheating. <laughs> like, Bow hipster. Thank you it for wasn't even that, though. Cause, and it wasn't even yeah. like an official Pixar short on YouTube. It was like somebody with the, the camera in the movie theater. <laughs> and then at the end of it, somebody gets up. <laughs> Sweet high production bootleg. I had to explain to her what piracy is. I was going to say pirating (laughs) is not a victimless crime. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Addie, what do you got? Okay, so I I've now watched almost all the second season of Queer Eye. Love that show. So good. We have recommended that in the the toast before. Um, But I have been listening to Jonathan Van Ness's podcast called Getting Curious. Jonathan is the grooming expert on Queer Eye. He's the one with the long hair and the beard who is so extra all the time Uh, for three or four years now, I mean, more than 100 episodes worth of podcasts, he has had a podcast. And the idea is that he keeps it to 30 minutes and it's a conversation with an expert about something he's curious about. And you would think he can kind of put on a little bit of a superficial air in the show, but the very first episode is about the difference between Sunni and Shia Muslims. And so he just, with his 
I don't want to say that he's vapid, but he has a like very earnest curiosity. It's like, and tell me about that, and tell me about that, and honey, yeah. and baby, and gorgeous, yeah. and you know, he's just so over his the top. affect could fool you into thinking that he wouldn't be interested in those things, yes, or Got that it. he doesn't already have a very large encyclopedic knowledge base. Got but it. the truth is, his mom was a newspaper editor. Mm-hmm. This man pays attention to world politics in a way that none of us in this room do. And therefore, he's a very informed interviewer. Um, but he acknowledges the gaps of his knowledge. And so the whole point of the podcast is for him to get in with an expert. So like, who is the Beyonce of Renaissance art was one themed episode. Love and so we it. talked to an art historian about like the Ninja Turtle artists of that time and and he really didn't know anything about them starting from scratch from that but he can absorb it quickly and it's all done in 30 minutes he talks a mile a minute and it's just delightful so getting curious with Jonathan Van Ness. I love that. I've been actually looking for some new podcast content lately. He also interviews his fellow Queer Eye hosts, <gasps> and those are some tearjerker oh. episodes. Oh, my God. So, um, Tali, what have you been into these days? Okay, so Ross and I watched Hannah Gadsby's special on Netflix, Nanette, and it was one of the most amazing things I've seen in a long time. It has this way of delivering she delivers her comedy set it's like she lulls you in with this like with it's like very pleasant jokes and for the first 10 or 15 minutes you maybe think you've got her number and you're like okay got it I like about to settle in for just a comfortable hour of comedy but then she does this really interesting thing where she breaks not even character but she kind of breaks the momentum of the pleasant Jokes, And um, I should say, by the way, Hannah Gatsby is super famous in Australia, but she's relatively unknown in the U.S. So this was my introduction to her as well as, I think, many other people's introduction to her. Okay. So she kind of breaks and says, I want to talk to you guys about the way comedy works, and that is tension and release. And I'm coming here creating tension for you guys, and then I release it with a punchline. And the reason why that's significant is because I've built a career on being self-deprecating because I'm a lesbian. And part of that tension is the tension like I have felt in the world just being me. And the way I release it for you guys is by making fun of myself. And she said, but that requires I constantly humiliate myself in front of you guys. And I think I need to change course. And so even though it's a set, it's almost like you're watching in real time this passionate inner dialogue of someone who wants to tell their story. Mm-hmm. And um, I won't give too much away, but I'll just say that there's a joke she tells up front about an interaction she has um, with another woman and her boyfriends. And it's predicated on her hitting on this other woman and the boyfriend walking up and mistaking her for a man. And uh, that joke is about the guy's ignorance. But then much later in the set, she retells that story and tells you more of it. And the emotional result is completely different. Mm. Um, So so I watched it. uh, I've seen most of it. I actually haven't finished it. But I, too, was struck with all of these things. And you're you're expressing it so well that it's both it's powerful. It's funny. It is very funny. It's so funny. But it is so so funny. And it's so profound. And I learned so much about comedy. I don't study comedy. I don't. I mean, I think Omar has you know, understands that world way more than I do. Yeah. I just learned a lot about the process of telling jokes right. in a way that I did not understand before. Yeah, she does this interesting thing where she uses, she's using comedy technique to highlight the difference between comedy and a 
story, between a joke and a story. Mm -hmm. And she's talking about why that's significant to what she's doing and to what all comics do. So um, anyway, it's incredibly smart. It's incredibly humane. It's really funny. And I just, I've never seen anything like it before. I can't stop talking about it. Oh, it's on my list. It's, I'm watching that very, very soon. Yeah. Like, every time I recommend it to someone, they, like, text me right afterwards with, like, either the tear of, the tears <laughs> of crying emoji or, like, the laughing emoji. It's just, it's everything. So, and also, last thing I want to say is it's incredibly timely, too. So, mm-hmm. while... Uh, some comedy has the ability to endure, and I think Hannah Gatsby is definitely one of those comics. It also feels like right now she is a comic that we need. So, fantastic, good toast. Yeah, great toast, guys. That's our show. She's Addie. He's Omar. I'm Tali. Check out the Austin 360 Instagram and Facebook for more about life in Austin, and talk to us on Twitter at Love Austin 360. If you liked what you heard today, leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. It helps other people discover the show. I Love You So Much, the Austin 360 podcast is produced by Alyssa Vidales. The show is made with support from Features Editor Sharon Chapman and the entire Austin 360 staff. Our theme music is from local band Hardproof, which you should definitely check out at hardproofmusic.com. You can find more about the show and its contributors at austin360.com slash loveaustin360. And if you want to pitch an idea for the show or give us feedback, shoot us a note at loveaustin360 at statesman.com or leave a voicemail at 512-445-3672. Tune in next week when we have a travel episode to share with you. Don't miss it if you want to know some cost-cutting life hacks for getting out of Austin or staycationing in town from some of our friends who happen to be experts in travel. We couldn't do this show without you, dear listeners, and we can't thank you enough for lending us your ears, your comments, and your bird feeder nectars. Until next week, we'll see you walking past the tree grackles on your way to a flight out of Austin Bergstrom Airport. Mm-hmm.